Chapter Twenty of the Bee Master of Warrilow by Tickner Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The King's Bee Master. Students of old books on the honey bee, and perhaps there have been more written about bees during the last two thousand years than of all other creatures put together do not quite know what to make of moses ruston who was charles the second's bee-master and wrote his further discovery of bees in the year sixteen seventy nine the wonder about ruston is that obviously he knew so much that was true about bee-life and yet seems of set purpose to have imparted so little he was a shrewdly observant man of lifelong experience in his craft his system of bee-keeping would not have disgraced many an apiculturalist of the present time often yielding him a honey harvest averaging sixty pounds to the hive which is a result not always achieved even by our foremost apiarian scientists his hives were fitted with glass windows through which he was continually studying his bees he must have had endless opportunities of proving the fallacy and folly of the ancient classic notions as to bee life and yet we find him gravely upholding almost the entire framework of fantastic error old even in pliny's time and speaking of the king bee with his generals captains and retinue honey that was a dew divinely sent down from heaven the miraculous propagation of bee kind from the flowers and all the other curious myths and fables handed down from writer to writer since the very earliest days but reading on in the little time-stained worm-eaten book it is not very difficult to guess at last why ruston adopted this attitude he was the king's bee-master and therefore a courtier first and a naturalist afterwards in the first flush of the restoration any one who had anything to say in support of the divine right of kings was certain to catch the royal eye ruston admits himself conversant with butler's feminine monarchy published some fifty years before in which the writer argues that the single great bee in a hive was really a female to a man of ruston's practical experience and deductive quality of mind this statement must have led and no doubt did lead to all sorts of speculations and discoveries but with a ruler of charles the second's temperament feminine monarchies were not to be thought of ruston saw at once his restrictions and his peculiar opportunity and wrote his book on bees which is really an ingenious attempt to show that the system of a self-ruling commonwealth is a violation of nature and that whether for bees or men government under a king is the divinely ordained state whether however ruston was deliberately insincere 
or actually succeeded in blinding himself conveniently for his own purposes it must be admitted not only that he argued the case with singular adroitness but that never did facts adapt themselves so readily to either conscious or unconscious misrepresentation in the glass-windowed hives of the royal bee-house at st james's he was able to show the king a nation of creatures evidently united under a common rule labouring together in harmony and producing works little short of miraculous to the medieval eye he saw that these creatures were of two sorts each going about its duty after its kind but that in each colony there was one bee and only one which differed entirely from the rest to this single large bee all the others paid the greatest deference it was cared for and nourished and attended assiduously in its progress over the combs all the humanly approved tokens of royalty were manifest about it no wonder the king's bee-master was not slow in recognising that in those troublous times he could do his patron no greater service than by pointing out to the superstitious and ignorant multitude still looking askance at the restored monarchy such indisputable evidence in nature of charles's parallel right and perhaps nature has never been at such pains to conceal her true processes from the vulgar eye as in this case of the honey-bee if rusden ever suspected that the one large bee in each colony was really the mother of all the rest and had set himself to prove it he would have found the whole array of visible facts in opposition to him if ever a truth seemed established beyond all reasonable doubt it was that the ordinary male and female principle pertaining throughout the rest of creation was abrogated in the single instance of the honey-bee the ancients explained this anomaly as a special gift from the gods and the bees were supposed to discover the germs of bee-life in certain kinds of flowers and to bring them home to the cells for development rusden improved upon this idea by assigning to his king-bee the duty of fertilising these embryos when they were placed in the cells for he could not otherwise explain a fact of which he was perfectly well aware that the large bee travelled the combs unceasingly thrusting its body into each cell in turn rusden also held that the worker-bees were females but only as freemasons would say in a speculative manner they neither laid eggs nor bore young their maternal duties consisted only in gathering the essence of bee-life from the blossoms and nursing and tending the young bees when they emerged from their cradle cells the drones were a great difficulty to rusden to admit them to be males as some held even in his day would have been against the declared object of his book 
as tending to entrench upon royal prerogatives luckily this truth was as easy of apparent refutation as all the rest no one had ever detected any traffic of the sexes amongst bees either in or out of the hives nor indeed is such detection possible the fact that the queen bee has concourse with the drone only once in her whole life and that their meeting takes place in the upper air far out of reach of human observation is knowledge only of yesterday in ruston's time such a marvel was never even suspected as the drones therefore were never seen to approach the worker bees or to notice them in any way and as also young bees were bred in the hives during many months when no drones existed at all ruston's ingenuity was equal to the task of bringing them into line with his theory if he had lived a few decades earlier and it had been cromwell instead of the heartless middle-aged rake of a sovereign whom he had to propitiate no doubt ruston would have asked his public to swallow pliny's whole apiarian philosophy at a gulp bee-life would then have been held up as a foreshadowing of celestial conditions and the facts would have lent themselves to this view equally as well but his task was to represent the economy of the hive as a clear proof of divine authority in kingship and it must be conceded that as far as knowledge went in those days he established his case his book was published under the aegis of the royal society and by his majesty's especial command which was less a testimony of the king's love for natural history than of his political astuteness apart however from its peculiar mission the book is interesting as a sidelight on the old bee-masters and their ways probably it represents very fairly the extent of knowledge at the time which had evidently advanced very little since the days of virgil ruston taught with the ancients that honey was a secretion from the stars and that wax was gathered from the flowers as well as the generative matter before mentioned he had one theory which seems to have been essentially his own the little lumps of many-coloured pollen which the worker-bees fetch home so industriously in the breeding season he held to be the actual substance of the young bees to come in an elementary state these he tells us were placed in the cells having absorbed the feminine virtues from their bearers on the way the king bee then visited each in turn vivifying them with his essence after which they had nothing to do but grow into perfect bees he got over the difficulty of the varying sexes of the bees bred in a hive by asserting that these lumps of animable matter were created in the flowers either female or neuter as he called the drones or royal as the case might be 
having denied the drones any part in the production of their species or in furnishing the needs of the hive rustum was hard put to it to find a use for them in a system where it would have been less majesty to suppose anything superfluous or amiss he therefore hits upon an idea which curiously enough embodies matter still under dispute at the present time although it is being slowly recognized as a truth rusten says the use of the drones is to take the place of the other bees in the hive when these are mostly away honey gathering their great bodies act as so many warming stoves supplying the necessary heat to the hatching embryos and the maturing stores of honey it is well known that drones gather together side by side principally in the remoter parts of the hive often completely covering these outer combs they seldom rouse from their lethargy of repletion to take their daily flight until about midday when most of the ingathering work is over and the hive is again fairly populous with worker bees probably therefore rusten was quite right in his theory which hundreds of years after is only just beginning to be accepted as a fact End of chapter twenty